Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. Hey guys, what's up? It's Josh Forty. And really quickly, before we dive into this episode, I need to give you a language warning for this episode. You guys know that a lot of times these episodes are relatively clean, family-friendly, although I do always like to give a heads up when that is not the case. And in this particular episode, there's some strong language used by our guest, and um, I thought you guys should know before we dive into that. So uh, if you have kids or just prefer not to be around strong language, I wanted to give you guys a heads up warning on that. So uh, super great show. Like I said, we, we bring on people and talk about topics that matter. So sometimes there's a strong language, sometimes there's not, but uh, we just wanted to give you a heads up in case uh, that's something that you um, want to be aware of. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. And we are live with, are you still the CEO? Of, I'm still the uh, CEO. Yes, sir. You're still still CEO. The CEO. For now, for now, as of today, yeah. So you're going to get booted soon? Well, either... Hopefully not booted, but hopefully we just hire somebody better and smarter. You know, that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Adams, guys. Uh, dude, how long have we known? Okay. Have we met each other? We've met, we've been met in person, right? I think at, when we hosted that party in Orlando. Oh, that's I right. I met you in person. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what? Uh, 2018. I think. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, 17 or 18, because it was around first when we started Unicorn. So it had been like maybe early 18 or something. Yeah, because uh, that was right before Funnel Hacking Live. And Funnel Hacking Live was in Orlando was 2018. So it would have been beginning of 2018. Like February or March around there? Yeah, yep. Okay, yeah. so yeah, about two and a half years ago. Yeah. Because when we met, Matt, but I, we kind of knew you. I, I met you through, uh, I knew Max first. Yeah, you were an affiliate for his first course, right? Yeah, the Facebook ads one, yep. He so that's how we first got connected initially. So there we go. We we figured it out. All the way back in the day. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and that's Max, crazy. Max just had a baby. That's crazy. He, he just had a baby. We just were chatting yesterday how he hasn't got more than like two hours of consecutive sleep in like a month, which is oh crazy to think about. And then he just, uh, they just built a home as well. So, you know, he's, he's growing up before my eyes. That's crazy. That's crazy, yeah. man. Oh, we were, we were, uh, how, wait, how long have you been an entrepreneur? Well, uh, I guess I've been, I haven't had a job since I'm 22. So, or, so I'm 30 now. So that's when I've started my first business. Uh, I always like, probably like you, like when you're younger, always did like little side hustles and stuff too. But yeah, yeah. I've been a full-time business owner one way or the other, a couple successes, mostly failures, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I have full-time business owner since 22. So about well, eight years now. Unicorn seems to be doing well been around for more than six months that's good yeah yeah we didn't we didn't fail uh right when we opened the doors yeah so no our business is doing really well we actually launched um and i don't even have it public on my page i i i don't know why i'm hesitant about it like maybe we can talk about it but we launched a, a conservative collectibles brand called proud patriots and when when we started it we started it last year like I, I've, I've leaned libertarian, right? So I like, there's some things I'm pretty conservative on like Sefkin amendment and taxation. And there's some things I'm really progressive on like uh, drug laws and prostitution. And, you know, I even maybe lean center left on some healthcare stuff, you know, but as 2020s happened, I've shifted more conservative. So I actually like the brand. I, so we started it for a money opportunity. And as the years went on, I'm like, I actually really fucking like this. <laughs> it's, doing, it's doing really well. Yeah. Now it's like an anti lockdown freedom of speech, second amendment uh, brand. And yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, 
We need, yeah, man, we need more of that. We need, we need, like, dude, I don't, I literally don't care what anybody wants to do with their life is they just like, don't tell me what I have to do with mine. Like, that's like the only requirement for me to get along with you. Like, don't tell me how to live my life and we can be friends. That's it. No, I agree. And by the way, like, <laughs> that, that talking point, I hear a lot of like, there's the part of the LGBT community that will vote for Democrat just because like, it's a single, single issue, like vote. And same thing with like conservatives on the abortion thing. They're like, you can have the lowest taxes and will allow me to have bazookas. But if you're, uh, you know, pro-choice, I'm not going to vote for you. But like most Republicans I know, and I think this is where we need to be in this country. It's like, they can be like, my religion says I'm not really for gay marriage, but I don't want it to be illegal. Like, I still right. think you should be able to do whatever you want. Like that's, that's where I'm like, okay, that's crossing the line. If you want it to be illegal, like people should right. be able to do whatever they want. But, and most Republicans, they're kind of like off that issue. Like I personally don't know any conservatives that I talk to that are, you know, they're like, you know what we need to roll back is the the gay marriage law. Like that never comes up. Ever. Right, like, right. I just feel like the fact that people will vote uh, progressive just because of that is just like ignorant. Like it just, it drives me crazy. So what's interesting is I feel like part of the reason that is too, like I grew up in a like super duper conservative, super Republican, like area of like middle of nowhere, Indiana. Right. So was it in Indiana, by the way, Northeast corner, uh, called St. Like, do you know where Fort Wayne is? How far is it from Elkhart? Uh, like an hour. Cause I, my manufacturing uh, company maybe, was based in Elkhart. Did you know that? I did not know that actually. So I would fly into South Bend and that's where we would. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe hour and hour and a half. Yeah. But certainly less than two hour, less than two hour drive from Elkhart, I'd say. But yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So no, Mike you're good. Pence land, you where you're from. Yeah. My, Mike Pence land. I've met Mike Pence. My brother, before he passed away, actually campaigned for Pence um, and knew Pence was friends with him for a bit. But like out there, that's where you get into the, I'm going to Bible thump you. Right. Yeah. And I believe that my Bible is the thing that ultimately leads politics. And I think that there has to be a distinction. But like I get where uh, people if like that was if that's what you categorize a Republican as, which I do think at one point probably was more what the Republican Party was alignment with. Like that's like no gay marriage, no abortion, no drugs, no anything, you know, no health care for the government. No, like that is like super, super strict. And so I, I get categorized into that a lot too. They're like, Josh, you're, you're this guy that just wants to take away women's rights and take away gay rights. And I'm like, actually, that's not true at all, but I understand where they're coming from. Uh, Cause a lot of people, there are people like that, which sucks. For sure. And, and both extremes on both parties are a danger and they're just really annoying and just kind of a, a pain to society in general. Yeah. But can I, can I be controversial on this and get myself in trouble? Like, sure. Please. It, I feel like the the extremists on the left are more than are are more extreme than the extremists on the right. I would say in 2020, yeah, maybe like 30 years ago that may not have been the case because I yeah. feel like I feel like everybody in this country has kind of like shifted left in some ways. Like I don't yeah. like obviously racism exists. It's going to probably always exist at some level, but I I truly feel like we're more welcoming than we've ever been. I mean, if you just look at stats, like Dave Rubin talks about them, like interracial marriage is above and beyond at an all time high. I mean, just so many data points show that we're just more accepting of tons of, uh, tons of different beliefs than ever before. But yeah, I think modern day, you're probably right. Like, you know, extreme right aren't uh, having violent, peaceful protests in the streets. 
because yeah. of things, you know? So it's, yeah. I, I feel you. I, I agree with that in modern day for sure. Yeah. In modern day. And the other thing I think about like with the racism issue, for example, I feel like, so like, I've been very vocal about this. I hate the black lives matter organization. I like the movement, right? Yeah. I, I'll say the statement. I like the, the movement, but I don't like the organization at all. But I feel like the, um, the way that people want to try to fix social issues like racism is they go about it entirely wrong. Like they go about it by trying to play on people's emotions rather than actually like going in and like trying to fix the core cause of the issue. And instead it's like, shame on you, right? Uh, shame on you for being an ignorant white person, right? Shame on you for, you know, not whatever. And, and there's a lot of, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of like guilt shaming and virtue signaling and things like that. And that's what it mostly is. I don't think there's actually a lot of real change going on at a surface level or at a mass level. I feel like there's probably, well, the 80, 20 rule, I bet you like 20% of the people that actually care about racism are probably doing like 80 to 90% of the actual good. And most of them probably never get attention. And so that's, that's kind of frustrating. I mean, I feel like that's how it is with most good things in life. Like some of the most charitable people I know don't like brag about it because yeah. they don't, they don't get a high. It doesn't build their ego. They do it because that's what they're passionate about. You know, right. people that are trying to virtue signal and get press for quote unquote, like helping, like, it's just, that's probably the wrong motivation anyway. I mean, who am I to say wrong or right, but it, it probably, I mean, like, you know, Jordan Peterson, he talks about getting your own house in order before you criticize the world. I feel like the people with the loudest voices criticizing the world don't have their own house in order. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up because it's interesting. One of the things that I really try to do is I try to, like, I'm very, very consistent in what I preach and what I live. And so like, there's a lot of areas where like people, why don't you have an opinion here? You're such a strong opinionated person. And I'm like, well, because I'm not living that, right? Like I can't have an opinion on something if I'm not first living it myself. And so one of the things that I get super criticized about is my, everything is your fault. That's one of my, my lines, right? Everything is your fault. I think that's one of the most empowering statements ever. I agree. Right? But, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, if you're, if you're broke, you're your fault. It's your fault. If you have a bad relationship, it's your fault. If you're unhappy, it's your fault. And, uh, I have like this radical personal responsibility kick and people get mad at me for it. And I'm like, you know, I, I haven't taken a dime from anybody ever, never once in my whole life, not government loans, not grants, not handouts. Um, when, I don't know, we got that thousand dollar government check. I said, Hey, if I, and I didn't get one, but I said, if a thousand bucks shows up in my account, I'll be donating it to charity. I don't want government money. I don't want like anything, like I'm going to live my life this way. And a lot of people think that I'm trying to put that on them, but all I'm trying to do is say, Hey, listen, like if you want to, like, if you want to be successful, that's just a choice. Like, no, nobody's stopping you, especially not a pol politician or some guy. I mean, you can complain about America and where we are. Like, of course, there's always room to grow as like, I don't think any even most true patriot wakes up and is like, you know what? We don't need to improve at all in this country. Like, we're fucking <laughs> good. like everybody knows we can always improve in areas, but there's not a better time to live and be prosperous and a better country to live in and do it in the like world history. Like, I just, you can't convince me otherwise. Not that we don't have a lot of room to grow. Not that there's, like, some people are going to start at home plate. Some people are going to start at first. But, like, everybody can make it back around to home plate. Like, we're never going to be able to make everybody's starting point equal. That's just impossible. And, like, you don't want that because that's part of motivation of capitalism. Like, I there's only so much shit I can buy myself. And that's kind of, like, the journey I've been on the last couple of years. It's, like, 
I kind of like work more for like my future family and stuff around me. Like, so they don't have to like deal with all the bullshit I've been like, like there's just going to be people that have it easier. Um, and that's okay. Like, but in this country, like you still can accomplish like whatever we want. And like, yeah, we can just, I, what I, what I don't like either is like, like the term privilege. It's like motherfucker. It's like American privilege. Like, right. You're born in this country, which less than 5% of the world is fortunate enough to live in a country where they can, like, I mean, think about how many countries in the world can talk shit about their president like we can. I mean, like, literally, <laughs> like, ha- like, half the people in the world would, like, be a prison if they were, like, saying some of the literally shit. Literally, or dead. We, yeah, and we take that for granted, you know? We just have a lot of privileges. And then if we can, okay, maybe white people don't have to deal with as many challenges from cops, but, okay, like... What are we just going to make a list of like a, a T, like a T chart? I don't even know what it's called. And like, okay, I have these 50 disadvantages. Oh, well, you should feel more sorry for me because you only have 40 fucking disadvantages. Like, are we just going to compare all the advantages and disadvantages we have in life? So the other thing about that, and I actually think that's a super good point about criticizing the president. But like the other thing is that it puts, it puts people in a victim mentality, right? Like it literally, when you're like, oh my gosh, Black people don't have as good of a chance at success as white people do. Like you literally t- are taking away the, the the power of of the the individual by trying to convince them that for some reason they're at a disadvantage, right? Every single time that I've been at a disadvantage in my life, like a true disadvantage, I have been able to figure out a way to make that disadvantage my advantage, right? And maybe not every single time, but any time that I've had a a lot of success with that disadvantage. And so by going in there and being like, oh man, it's harder to be successful as a black person in America, right? Why not, instead of pre-programming that into all the black children growing up, all the, you know, or of any race growing up, why not empower them and be like, yo, like you're in a minority. So like you have the ability to stand out even more. You have the ability to be uniquely th- this and no, like empower I, you, them. You could argue in 2020 if you if you're a minority, you have a lot more advantages. I mean, like there's affirmative action. There's tons of pressure for Fortune 500 companies to uh, be very very diverse. There's like vice presidents of diversity that are are you know basically making these companies. Uh, prefer people based on being a minority or based on being just a more diverse other than just like a white guy like you and me. I mean, you could argue there's tons of advantages for minorities in, in 2020. It's just, yeah, it's just about how you look at it. And it's just like, there's the people that say 2020 is the worst year of their life. And there's the people that say 2020 is the best year of their life. I think there's just going to be the group that will always look to blame shit on, uh, outside circumstances and there's going to be the group that's just like hey i haven't had this much time to sit home i'm gonna fucking get healthier like i fucking got like healthier than i've ever been this year like there's just a lot i started my fucking podcast you know like all because of 2020 like maybe i would have done it but this accelerated and this motivate motivated me to do it more so yeah it's just it's all perspective and it's all mindset and i agree and by the way like you know people are smart the, the polls, the voting polls showed that, you know, the minority communities are kind of getting over this like Democratic Party narrative because of the the record votes that Trump and the Republican Party received from uh, minority communities. I, I saw that 18% of black men voted for Trump, which isn't 
like crazy, but I think the the number was like eight percent for Mitt Romney. Like, I mean, that's that's a big, big jump. So, and then the the crazy stuff that went down in in Miami, where it's like record Hispanic vote for uh, for Republican. So, I, I think that the the minority community in general are just tired of being used as as a pawn by politicians, and the Democratic Party is going to have to like really shift their message regardless of if biden ends up winning this thing or not i think people are just kind of over this yeah and for context guys we are recording this uh the friday after the election this will air later um but dude what do you think is going to happen with this whole election thing i mean i'm not obviously like a political expert like i i I like know a tiny, tiny bit about a bunch of subjects. I would say I'm like a generalist, but like I just from what I've seen, I mean, it looks like Biden is most likely to win at this point. I mean, something so? crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like a whole bunch of fraud going on, and if there is, I don't think it's enough that it's gonna swing swing a state. Like, but like you know that Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia right now, like as we speak, are all within like three to eight thousand votes of you. Like either yeah. way, yeah, like no, that, that's mean, like crazy margin of error. It is, and if you recall, like I believe in in two thousand, and this is both when we were we were pretty young. You know, George Bush ended up winning because of Florida discrepancy of a few hundred votes. Like you crazy, know, like it, it came down to a few hundred fucking votes in a country of three hundred million people. I mean that that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I again. I'm not, I'm not like a Vegas odds maker. I don't know. I just, my, my gut tells me Biden's the slight favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Like if Trump ends up winning, I'm not gonna like be surprised about that. Like I, I just, I'm sitting here going and uh, super biased, right? I'm a, you know me, I'm a huge Trump fan, right? Like I, I thought this would be a landslide. I didn't think it would be this close, but you have a, a media and a Democratic Party who has played dirty and hated Trump for the last four years. You have Trump who has hated them back and has played dirty for the past four years. Like neither side, let's just be real here. Neither side is this has the moral upper ground, right? They both suck. I agree right? with that completely. Right? For sure. So I one of the things that I've said is that I don't think Trump knows how to lead, but I think he knows how to win, right? And in this particular case, there's litigation going on. You're going to end up in the courts. Uh, there's already, you know, lawsuits in Pennsylvania and uh, Arizona and Michigan. There's a recount scheduled for Wisconsin. I'm sure uh, Georgia. I think there's a, a, a legal battle or a lawsuit already filed. Like I go, if there is a scenario where Trump is able to win, like if that even exists, like Trump will be the person to find that. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I don't know, dude. I'm not entirely like I I don't care if Biden wins if he wins fair. But like I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think this has been a fair election uh at all. Like I think there's been a lot of room for corruption. I mean, what I will say and probably everybody can agree on in the country, at least I would hope, like we I would say that's it's time to maybe modernize our, our voting systems. I, I just feel like in in 2020, like if election day is Tuesday, we should know by end of day Tuesday or like <laughs> by the latest. You know what I mean? Like I saw some meme about like American Idol is able to like count hundred million votes in an hour. You know, like I, I feel like we need to just because the tension and the drama is just not good regardless of who wins now. There's right. no positive from all the shit going on now. I mean just like we're you know, ultimately it's bad for the government because I think, you know, conservatives 
and are, you know, I, again, this, I'm more libertarian. I'm a small government guy. I'm very skeptical about government in general. And now I feel like something like this, the big government people, like they're even starting to second guess governments. Now, like, can we trust this? Like, it's just, it's not good for our faith in, in government either. Like, I just feel like we're just, again, we we're maybe one of the best in the world, but it's not looking too promising. Right. I don't even like whoever wins, I will say the other side's going to feel like they got ripped off and like they yeah. got the election stolen from. And I don't think that's, that's healthy for our, our Republic, you know? I don't think so either. And I just hope that there's a clear, like, I hope there's, there's a clear deciding factor one way or the other. Like for example, the Supreme court, like if it goes to the Supreme court, I, I, I feel like the court system, particularly the Supreme court is probably one of the few branches of government that I still trust. Yeah. Like I, I actually believe that the, the courts, the people on the Supreme court are going to make the right decision based on an actual legal standpoint, not from a political party standpoint. So like if it goes to the Supreme court and they rule and because of that ruling Biden wins, I'm cool with that. I'll accept that. And I'll, you know, I'll back Biden. Uh, if you know, he's the president, but I just hope, I hope there's some way, like, I hope that this doesn't end with us just going, well, the ballots were recounted and here's the final count. And then we go, Oh, okay. Like there needs to be some rule. There needs to be some deciding, like clear cut, like this, like, this is why this was decided. And like, you may disagree with it, but like, this is why, why Trump won, or this is why Biden won. You know what I mean? hundred percent. And what I would say too, is if Trump does win, which I, again, I'm just, I'm saying like, maybe it's in my mind, 60, 40 Biden over Trump, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. Like if Biden does end up losing the Democrats, like have to take full accountability in my opinion, because Biden's like the worst candidate. <laughs> like, is there a worse candidate in your in my lifetimes on the democratic party? Uh, I mean, maybe Hillary. Hillary is not as, I mean, Hillary at least could have like conversations with like slurring her words. If, yeah, but if my, like, dude, if, she, if she I wasn't vote saying between, black, if you don't vote for that, me on interviews that's, and stuff, that's true, man. That's I what I'm know. saying. Like, I know Hillary is hated, but if you just look at like her state of mind, you know, she's yeah, could have been maybe. the first woman president. She has, you know, Bill was a pre, like, you know, I think, I think she's more qualified for sure. Yeah, like, definitely and, more and qualified. I, I don't know I don't, if I would have voted for her over Biden, though. Bro, she's, she's I don't terrible. Think, <laughs> I don't think Biden is, like, this, like, horrible, radical guy. I just don't, like, I mean, do we realistically think he's going to make it through four terms? Like, not many, maybe not die, but, like, mentally capable. And then I would argue he could die if elected for a second term. Like, you think he's going to make it another eight years? I mean, it's just the Democratic Party, you had like some like decent moderates, like Mayor Pete probably would have been a better choice or Amy, like not saying they're perfect choices. Uh, but least, I didn't like Amy. I liked Yang. Or Yang. I mean, again, Biden's just a bad candidate. So if they do lose, in my opinion, they have to take full accountability that their party is pumping out people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are like the best Democratic Party has to offer right now. You know, and it's, it's, it's so well, no, it, it's it's the best that they're choosing to offer and promote, yeah, well that, which is yeah, so yeah. D I don't I don't get it because like somebody asked me this. So Josh, is there like how open it was that, you know, how open minded are you like name up a, a name, a Democratic presidential ticket that you would have voted for over Trump? And I was like, I would have voted if the ticket was a uh, Yang Gabbard, like Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew. Yang. Tulsi was fucking great. That's how this is how hypocritical and actually uh, the progressives like claim that they're the party of inclusion. I actually think it's the opposite. Tulsi is a minority uh, woman from Hawaii with military background. And they just like banned her from the democratic party. Yeah, Like what? Like she's 
she's one of the most awesome people. I mean, she's thought through. She's smart. She can lead. She, like you said, you got military background. It's like, why, why wouldn't you put that forward? Right? Like, what? Yeah. She would get moderates. She would get center right people that maybe aren't big fans of Trump. Like, she would have got me. Get, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's, and this is where, so it kind of happened, I think, under Obama for me, where just like so many people were shitting on Obama, like, and it was just like blind, irrational hate that I just started being like, hey, well, I don't know if that's true. And it kind of made me like, feel bad for Obama. And I feel like the same thing now is like happening with like for me and Trump and Trump voters. Like if you even admit you like Trump, I feel like people just get shit on and they get shamed. And I'm just like, dude, we can't treat people like that for their political views. Like don't judge a person by the color of their skin, but I'm going to judge you if you wear a red fucking hat. Like, we're like that's so <laughs> hypocritical. You know what I mean? Like that we, we shouldn't judge people based on a lot of things. We should get to know them. Okay. What do you like about Trump? Like just rather than being like, Oh, you're a fucking racist, you're a white right. supremacist. Cause you were like, that's like, I feel like that's so common now too. If you're just like a Trump, you're a fucking racist, white supremacist. Like, okay. Like what does the word racist even mean anything even more? Like, does that like, who hasn't been called a racist? That's like, not like super far left, you know, like right. they probably even be called racist. Yeah, for real. What, going back to the whole updating of the, the voter system, I think we do. Um, I want to talk about blockchain here in a second, but uh, I saw a meme that said, if the people that ran the Chick-fil-A drive through were the ones counting ballots, we would have been out by 9.26 p.m. on Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you think, uh, what do you think of blockchain? I personally, like, I, I'm not afraid to admit when I know very little about a subject. I mean... I know very, very little about a subject. I know I was an early Bitcoin investor and Bitcoin's rising now. And I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I just crazy. crossed 15 grand a coin again. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I just I just uh, bought like four coins early on when it was like a couple thousand a coin. So I like, I'm like, okay, that, I'm like, I'm happy with that investment. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I know blockchain can be very efficient and I know there's a lot of opportunity in the future with a lot of things we do, but I wouldn't be able to give you an educated yeah. Like well, so like the big, the big pull with blockchain is that it's this decentralized quote unquote, unhackable, uh, system of communication or system of you know, collecting and storing data. And I don't, I'm not a super expert about it, but essentially, so the reason that cryptocurrencies that run on blockchain are so safe, you know, they call it unhackable is because there's however many billions of different, like, pieces of code or I don't know, something to where that, that change all the time. And in order for you to hack it, you'd have to simultaneously hack 51% of like all the code all at once. And there's like hundreds of billions of combinations or like whatever. So it's essentially, it's unhackable because they're constantly changing like every second. Right. Yeah. And so it's this essentially this decentralized unhackable, uh, uh, thing that uh, I think could be super interesting. I, I don't know enough about it to say how it works in a, in a voter spectrum, but my big thing is I don't think that the government would ever let something like that come in and uh, be out of their control. Like something that's decentralized means that you, you can't, con like there's not one core person in charge of it or entity in charge of it. I think that causes the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason why the government and the IRS hates fucking uh cryptocurrency i mean you can't right. you can't trace it you can't tax it so of course they're gonna think it's the worst idea ever i mean the good news is i mean like the counting that's going on in like nevada and uh arizona i mean it, it can't get much worse i mean like <laughs> it, it, like again it's it's 2020 i mean 
what I will say there is like, you know, and like, I feel like we can't go a whole uh, conversation in 2020 without bringing up COVID. Like you, it was apparent to me. And again, like I'm not, I lean right on things. I lean left on things. I've been shifting right in 2020 and I've been very transparent about that with everybody in my life and on my show and stuff. But you, it's very apparent that the democratic party uh, like really, really made a bigger deal out of COVID to make Trump look bad and to uh, control the election and like push this mail, mail ballot strategy. I mean, you just can't deny that because like every day I feel like there's like more data coming out that, okay, 25% of the country is actually at it. And there's, or some super high percentage, maybe it's not 25, but our death rate's actually really, really, really low. And right. You know, you're pretty much 0% chance of death if you're under 50, unless you just like, just got chemotherapy. Like, and it's like lockdowns just like don't budge, you know, like kids still can't go back to school in California. And it's just like, you know, and like, there's the Democrats that like buy into that, that still like won't even leave their fucking house. And I'm like, dude, dude really? That's what's crazy. There have been people, but my, my fiance and I were talking about this the other day. There's still people that we know that literally have been locked in their house since March. And the only time that they have left is to go to the store. That is it. And I'm like, since March, and they're still living in fear. I'm like, dude, I am out and about at the store, shopping, trying on clothes. Like, I literally am living as if we're not in the middle of a pandemic right now. The only thing I do is wear my face mask because it's required. And it's like, whatever. And these people are still living in fear, and they've been locked in since March. It's insanity. Like, what are they waiting on? Like, their governor to just be like, okay, I give you permission to live your life. I don't understand. It's wild to me. And it's this, this area of like, I think the response to COVID from the, I mean, the response to COVID from the government has been scary enough, but like the fact that half of Americans just roll over and let their freedoms be taken without even yelling and screaming about it is just insane to me. Well, what Trump should do and what Ron DeSantis did in Florida is like, he held multiple press conferences in a row that I saw and he had a chart behind him with the, uh, death rates and it's just like zero through 50 is like basically like 0.001 like it's like but it doesn't matter dude the the media will just come out and be like trump is wrong trump is spewing lies trump is like i no i feel you but like i i just feel like you know he just he just has a chart and every time people question like florida was one of the first to open up like i don't know if you know this but our bars and clubs are 100 open now like it's basically normal are they back to 100 100 like it's yeah. it's awesome uh, Halloween downtown Orlando was literally, I'm um, not just since COVID because I, I want to be clear the busiest I've ever seen downtown Orlando in my life. I really? mean, it was insane. I mean, I just, again, you can watch the news and there are these handful of people that are just like living in fear, but, uh, it, it was, it was the opposite of that downtown Orlando. I think people That's are awesome. just, yeah, it was, I mean, it was like frustrating cause it was so busy, but deep down my like inner, like, Patriot was like, fuck yeah. Like, these, people are, <laughs> these people are over it. They're just ready to live life. So, well, yeah, and, was, but you live in a red crazy. state though, which is nice. I live in Colorado. Yeah. It's a blue state. I live in a, a blue state, a blue congressional district, a blue city with a blue, ma- or, uh, with a blue mayor. And it's like, everything's, sh- restaurants are back to 25% capacity here. We were up into 50, but then they shut it back down to 25. Mandatory masks, even when you're outside. Mandatory masks when you're on the trails. And like, I don't wear them. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, anytime I'm asked to put one on, I do, but I don't wear one on my outside. I mean, like you can. That's stupid outside. Dude, one of my friends in DC, I'm not kidding you right now. And he was like, dude, I literally got a ticket 
for not having a mask on in my car. He got fined. He was in I his mean, car. That, that's where I almost want to like, I'm at the financial means to do that. I've already told people like, fortunately, Florida has been backing down on that shit. But like, I would almost just be like, welcome the tickets and the lawsuits and just hire an attorney just to prove a point. Like, right. there's no way like, not wearing a mask outside like i'll be respectful like kind of like the unwritten rule in florida now i've realized or at least in like you know tampa and orlando and miami so i guess like the main cities in, in florida it's like at a club and bar at midnight it's just like a free-for-all but like normal but if it's like 11 a.m and you're shopping for groceries because there's like old ladies and stuff in there it's like okay people put on a mask but right. like nighttime where like the younger people are going out it's completely back to normal i mean that's awesome. Makes you want to move yeah. to Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, when, when bars opened that first weekend, it was, it was, I mean, this is a one thing I think that helps cure like tension in the country. Like I can tell you people of all races and sexualities and everybody loves drinking and like dancing. At <laughs> like everybody. Especially in Florida. Fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Florida is like a very, very, culturally diverse state in general like and which is cool that like we're we're red but again all these just like claims that red is just like these white supremacists like that's not the case in florida like obviously like miami is traditionally blue but i believe uh, orlando flipped red this election i believe um because and i would guess it's because of all the hospitality workers and all the people like at disney that have been affected um by the lockdowns because disney is our biggest employer so I'm sure they just want to open up and start yeah. earning an income again. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's fun. Like it's, I would say again, other than going into like Orlando city games, they allow fans. Orlando was one of, I went to the, one of the first soccer games in the world that allowed fans again, post COVID and you have to wear a mask. It's like 30% capacity. Um, but outside of like just wearing it, going into the grocery store and to Orlando city games, like it's pretty close back to normal. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I, I said that. So, I, I mean, I just moved to Colorado not too long ago, and I freaking love it out here. Like, dude, I'm 15 minutes and I'm in the mountains, and I have a Jeep Wrangler and a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we're, I mean, I freaking love it, but it's super, super blue. And I said, uh, if Trump gets in, I think, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I, I think that that will uh, help things. But if Biden gets in and they go crazy in the country, like, I'm going to have to move to a red state because it's, it's stupid here. Like you get, I mean, you really do get yelled at and it is very stri strictly enforced uh, for like social distancing and restaurant capacity. Like even it was, uh, there's one restaurant up in Boulder that I mean, we freaking love going to and it's awesome, but it can be 20 degrees outside and they won't even let you wait in the lobby. They're like, nope, you got to go stand outside if we are on a wait because we can't have people standing in inside the lobby when it's uh, like just waiting in there because there's not enough room. So it's like just stupid stuff like that where you can't do anything. You're completely limited to freedoms. If you go to a dressing room here, I don't know how, how it's like there, but you go to a dressing room and try on, like, let's say I try on a pair of jeans, right? And I don't want them. They have to go take those off the shelf, sanitize them and let them sit for 24 hours before they can put them back out. Like, how stupid is that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you agree that we're at the point now and we know who's affected that people should just be able to make the choice themselves? I believe that that was how it should have been from day one. I mean, I understand, but like, yeah, my thing is, is like, if, if a private business wants to operate that way, I a hundred percent support it. If a private business tells me to put on a mask, frick yeah, I'll put on a mask for them because it's a private business, but like, you cannot, you cannot mandate what people can and cannot do. Like Newsom's 
Thanksgiving rules in California. That's so fucking stupid. Like that is the stupidest crap I've ever seen in my whole life. Like that guy's actually stupid. Like, like I don't like to attack people. I like to attack policies. Like you, you are either a actually mentally insane. Like you're mentally stupid or you are a dictator that is in, in, infringing on people's rights directly. No sane human being. No normal person thinks that it is normal to do what he did and what those requirements are. I mean, that's absolutely, uh, it's stupid. It's just insane. And it's so frustrating. The added frustration to a lot of these like stupid, like lockdown policies and recommendations and guidelines is there's so little talk about ways to be more healthier. It's like, sure. Yeah. Right. Half of America is fucking obese like maybe we should like maybe talk about that because like obese people are the ones really getting affected about covid but no we're not going to talk about that we're just going to wear wear masks uh for the next three years until there's a vaccine that like i was making a joke with my buddy that like and it, it's like it's a joke about covid but i guess it's not too soon at this point it doesn't matter but like it's like 99.9 percent .9 survival rate for like 50 and under and it's like what's the vaccine going to be like well how much more of a survival rate okay do they want, well, you know what's you know? crazy is that the survival the the average um uh life expectancy for someone with covid is actually higher than without like the actual life expectancy if you have covid for like age is higher where was that date i mean i i wouldn't be surprised but i i forget where it was from here and here's the other thing you talk about how we got to talk about obesity and like health and stuff like that. Gyms are still shut down or incredibly limited, but bars are back open. Uh, you know, things that are considered essential businesses like alcohol and bars, those are open, but anything to keep us healthy is not. And I want, I'm, I'm pulling up. This is from the, uh, um, uh, a American, uh, college of cardiology and from the American health association there in 2019. So, in 2020, from COVID, we've had like what, 200,000, 220,000 deaths, something like that? Yeah. Okay. In 2019, 840,000 people died from heart disease. Yeah. 840,000, like almost four times the amount. Based yeah. on those numbers, we should probably like just shut the whole country down. Just the whole know? country, like, bro. Yeah, yeah. But like, and, and, like below 50, you were talking about with COVID. Here, the, the risk factor for heart disease for youth is 18.5%. For young adults is 28.5%. For hypertension, I don't even know what this means. Hypertension adults is 45%. It's high blood pressure. So like what heart disease and so many other issues that are not a virus and yet it's legalized and let's just shove pills and drugs down uh, our throats. I mean, I think big pharma is way worse than COVID. No, I agree. And I mean, again, like I'm not like, I'm not an extreme conspiracy theorist guy, but like it wasn't that long ago where we just escaped like monarchy rule and like got away from like crazy, like King rule. You know what I mean? Like it's not, and it's not even a hundred years ago that, like there were concentration camps and shit like that. Again, that's just like why I'm like a like individual accountability guy. Like we align a lot there. Like if I'm gonna I'm gonna make this decision. Obviously, 
And the thing is about businesses, like most small businesses, like you're a small business, I'm a small business. We care about our customers a lot more than fucking Walmart cares about their customers because we have personal relationships with them. That's how small businesses operate. So if you just let the business owners decide, if you're a hair salon in a retirement community that's been seeing the same people for the last 20 years, you think they're just going to like let like like be a super spreader, like they're going to be more safe. They care about uh Susan that's been coming in for 20 years. Like I, I think we don't we don't need to treat everybody like like babies and like people can make their own decisions. You know? I think the the thing that is most frustrating to me is the argument of the lockdown and staying home, which is hey, listen, you can't go out because I don't want to get it. And what I don't get is like the effect of the lockdown says that everybody should stay home as much as possible, right? So if you don't want to get COVID, why wouldn't you just stay home? Like, I know this is a really basic argument and we've all heard it, but like, like, let's take it back to the, like the most basic logic sense. If there's two people and one person does not want to get a virus that's out there and the other person isn't worried about it, why would you lock both of them up? Why not just lock the one person up that doesn't want to get it or is afraid of yeah. it? Or it just no wear a full wear a full fucking hazmat suit, and then you have nothing to worry about. For real. Like you know what I mean? Or like again, there's like I've I've never been like let's just like let everybody die. I've always been like, hey, there's the seventy plus primarily, and maybe people a little bit younger if they're like super uh, vulnerable. Like let's create rather than shut the whole fucking world down. Let's create some plan where it's like we can take care of these people maybe until there's a vaccine or maybe whatever it is, or there's some herd immunity or some combination, but like to just treat everybody the same and just like, Oh, like five-year-old kids can't sit next to their friends at lunch for the next two years until we have a vaccine. Like kids that don't even have symptoms. Ah! Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> like I see so many, like actually the flu is like more deadly for people under 20. Like, and I see so many like memes about it's a virus so deadly. You have to take a test to like see. If right. you have it, you know? like, <laughs> like it's like, that's just dumb shit. It's like, cool. Let's create even government funded. It would have cost a fraction of what the big stimulus costs. Like, okay. So yeah, uh, take care uh, of the old people, deliver them food, do what we can, you know, create even maybe special shopping zones for them. But like, you know, you don't have to shut down the whole world. What? So what do you think of uh, the government stimulus? You think they should do another one? I mean, I think they should just open shit back up. I mean, so this is what I, I get in a lot of conversations about with like people that are like more left leaning than me. They're like capitalism is like they like correlate capitalism and like government bailouts. And I'm like, no, true capitalism, which neither party truly stands for. I'd say Republicans right. are more capitalist, but they still aren't true capitalists because they do these big government bailouts. True capitalism is no government bailouts. Let businesses succeed and die on their own based on their value to the marketplace, you know? And I think we should just open the fuck back up. People make their own decisions. There's enough data out there where people can be cautious and, but based off of just government telling us we can't do it, which again, I don't support at all, but just based off of the horrible government decision to lock down and, you know, people potentially unable to pay their mortgage payment or their rent because they're a bartender and, you know, your governor in Colorado is telling them they can't work and that's what they've done their whole life. Like, 
that's where it gets a little tricky and maybe I am a little bit for stimulus, but only because there's been a domino of 20 horrible decisions to get to this point. You know, right. if we would have just, you know what I mean? That's yeah. where I do lean for some support. But so, so there's two, two things I want to unpack here. The first one, and we're, we're going to come back to your latter statement here. Cause I think that's important. Uh, the first one is true capitalism, right? So, Hey, like if company fails, and then they fail, right? And so the the argument against that is, hey, listen, you've got airlines, let's say, you've got you know big companies that employ tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, right? And all of a sudden something happens, whether it was the stock market crash in 08 and it was the car companies or whether it was the pandemic and now it's the airlines where the airlines are basically like, yo, if we don't get a bail for, bailout from the government, we're all these people are going to lose their jobs essentially because we have no money. Right. So there's that argument. That's like the government should step in and loan them money or have them like bail them out in some sort. I look at that and I'm like, uh, let the market do its thing. Like if, if those companies go out of business, I like the money's still there. People just aren't spending it there anymore. And like, yeah, there's a shift, but like once the government gets involved, I feel like it always gets worse. And like, yeah, they might save the company, but at what cost? You know what I mean? The company probably shouldn't be saved. And again, it's a little bit different because the government got involved, which again, I'm completely against. So it's like, but if the government doesn't like, Again, that's where we as people like have to understand how capitalism works. Like one of the beauties about capitalism, if, if the business is run efficient enough and there's a big enough demand for that product or service, the business is going to flourish and be successful. Like if there's not a big enough demand for cars because um, they over leverage themselves and they uh, don't have enough cash and they were just doing what they could to build up the stock price and then OA happens and they fucking go out of business because there's not enough demand for cars now. Like that's probably like their learning lesson. So, so, but hypothetically though, so the government shuts down the the borders, which was a good thing. They should have done that. Right. Uh, Trump shuts down to China and then eventually to Europe temporarily. And 80%, 90% of people stop traveling. Right. Because of the fear of the pandemic. So does the government step in and bail out the the airlines or does the government say, Hey, tough luck, man. Sucks. Pandemic. That again. So that's a great question. And that I don't have a great answer for. I mean, probably some sort of government involvement is ideal because the government basically told that business or they made some, you know, super strict law that basically prohibited that business overnight, right? It's not like there was years of notice. It's not like the minimum wage, which you can agree or disagree, but at least it's, hey, it's going to increase to 15 over the next five years or like, it's just literally overnight, they just shut down the airline industry based on uh, lockdowns and shutting borders, probably leaning towards some sort of government support or something. But again, it's just a slippery slope. I guess, where do you draw the line? Like the the 08 market crash was a little bit different, but it did involve some government as well, as far as what I know, because of them, uh, you know, writing a bunch of bullshit loans to people that that really shouldn't have gotten the loans in the first place. Um, like, but, but, okay, so let me play the, the other side here on this. And this is me being a, a cutthroat capitalist, right? And I'm not saying this is necessarily my view, but let me, let me play it out, which is like, hey, listen, if the government just stays 
if it just stays out, it's going to solve itself more quickly. Like the company will crash. We're not going to be in this limbo of, oh, I don't know. Like we're kind of struggling. We're getting more money and we might need more money. It's just like, it's over. It's done. Cut those people disperse. And now they've got to go find new jobs. And the, the, the shift is going to uh, go by quicker. And like, I feel like part of the problem with, well, there's two problems. Number one is the fact that we've created a society that believes that they should be able to like that, that society owes them a job that uh, pays a living wage. No, like, I, I don't agree completely. I fucking hate that rhetoric. Yeah. Like, yeah so it. there's that. And then the second part is, is that we feel like, like we look to the government as um, the, the, this organization or this thing that is supposed to pre prevent pain or stress or negativity in our lives or bail us out when there's a problem. I'm like, yo, if your job, like if you, the company that you were working for just went under, right? For whatever reason, or if they fired you, you'd have to figure it out, right? And it's like, okay, now, yes, it is that at a mass scale, but would you rather have America or your country as a whole have to bail everything out and prolong the, you know, prolong everything and come to a solution? Now the government has more control and they're a terribly run organization. Or do you go, you know what? Airline industry super sucks, super sucks. But guess what? Once again, the money didn't leave. It just moved. So guess where all the money went? Amazon and Walmart. So now guess what? During the pandemic, Amazon rich, added like something like a hundred. Yeah. Well, Yes, but also the super, super wealthy, the top 10 or 20 people got wealthier for yeah. sure. For sure. Absolutely. But like Amazon also, pro I think it was like they've hired like 120 or 140 some thousand jobs That's true. since, since COVID. And I'm like, okay, listen, if airlines were to go out of business, that money, that energy shifts. And there is a time that elapses to move everybody around and get them into new roles. That, that is it. There is time that has to take place there. Absolutely. But I feel like the shortest number of time is for the government to stay the F out and let the free market do its thing. Let people suffer for a little bit. Let people walk through that abyss and go, all right, I'm going to come out the other side stronger. So I, I agree with you. I feel like on like 99% of the cases, the only one I'm kind of like hesitant on right now is the airlines because of specific government regulations that made them suffer. It's not like the market was making them suffer. It was uh, overnight, just government, just like very irrational and just fear-based decision to just tell everybody they need to stay in their house and we're not traveling and we're shutting down non-essential businesses. So, so do they give out money or do they loan it? I mean, well, something we haven't talked about too is we're just assuming all these like executives of these businesses are a bunch of dummies and they're not going to like try to keep the business alive and raise capital on their own and stuff like that as well. It's like, and you punish. So I know like I do a lot of flying, right? And Same. I, I love Southwest. They're by far the most effectively run uh, airline. And they, there were multiple claims that said if there aren't uh, government parallels for airlines, Southwest is going to be the only one standing. So they ran so efficiently for years. They That's built awesome. They built <laughs> cash reserves. But so they would have dominated fucking market share if we just let these other uh, airlines flounder because they ran so ineffectively. But because the government got involved, they had, you know, these companies united and like that have just been losing money for a while. Like, 
there was no like incentivization for them to even be as like successfully ran organization, you know, or like Southwest, like if we would have done what you're saying and just let like the, the bad ones flounder, Southwest would be like probably a monopoly in the- And that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. Southwest would have gone up. People would have moved from Delta to Southwest, right? Pilots would have gone there. Staff would have gone there. And Southwest would have been able to raise capital to buy up airport spaces to to increase the bid. Like you see, I'm that's the free no, market. No, 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 I, exactly. And competition would have sprouted because they'd be like, okay, I can do some stuff better than Southwest. And new airlines would have started with new money. So, yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. There's so much part. freaking money in the system right now. It's wild. Yeah, like people. There's always going to be like entrepreneurs like and again that's i agree like i don't like the mindset of like the government just like you can have all these minimum wage laws but if there's not an entrepreneur or a business owner paying these wages like they don't matter you know ultimately you have to incentivize and encourage innovation and creativity and business ownership or minimum wage laws don't mean anything um but yeah i mean there's always people even downtown orlando multiple restaurants went out of business and i just saw like the other day right next to my like someone's opening up a donut shop like right next to my fucking Skyrise. And I'm like, good for them, dude. They're just like, they're ballsy. They're just like probably signed a lease like right now. They're just like, I'm going to take my chance. This is my right. time to start my donut shop. Right. Like, you know, like that's awesome. And like without that type of like risk taking and somebody that like, hey, I want to start a donut shop when shit's, I don't even know what's going to happen in the future. Like that's what's crazy too. It's like there's still so much uncertainty like that's even more like I admire entrepreneurs even more like he sh opened up, he, you know, he or she is investing in this donut shop. And again, I'm just using it as one small example. I'm sure it's happening all over America and cities and they don't know who's going to be elected president. They don't know if lockdowns are going to come back. They don't know, like he doesn't know what, but he's like, how awesome is that? That this person is risking their capital and energy to start a donut shop when like there's so much uncertainty right now because of what's going on. Like, Everybody should go buy donuts from that donut shop. Good no, job, I, donut shop owner. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I admire that. I do. I do too, for sure. And I think, it, um, I'm curious to know what, what your biggest takeaway from a business perspective has been from COVID. Cause I'll tell you what, dude, um, people scared me with how they talked about 2008. 2009 like i wasn't old enough to remember it like i wasn't an entrepreneur i wasn't in business i was still in high school and like my parents have no money in the markets at all my parents my my dad is you know a single working household my mom homeschooled us so like my dad kept his job so like in my life virtually nothing changed in 0809 right but like all these entrepreneur people now that i'm like older and like have all these friends that like live through it they were like we lost everything i lost 75 percent of my money i lost all this and they made it seem like this downturn was like the worst thing that happened. And it probably was for like a lot of people. However, going through COVID and granted, I understand that we have not in any way seen the effects of the recession and, and the, the losses that will come from COVID, but I am far less scared because of what I've learned, because I know a lot of people that lost a lot of money in COVID. I mean, like I have people that are relatively like close to me in my life that have lost millions of dollars with through, because of COVID, right? And, you know, with commercial real estate and things like that. But at the same time, there's other people that I know that made millions of dollars in COVID, right? Yeah. And it's like, I feel like it's a choice. And I understand like you're locked in beforehand. Some people make, you know, bad decisions. Some people get screwed. Some people don't. But what, what would you say would be your biggest takeaway from an economic standpoint with COVID? I mean, biggest takeaway, let me think. 
first of all, the commercial real estate industry, like how uncertain is that? Like, we don't even know if like office space is ever going to be the same again. I mean, like yeah, who even knows if like downtowns are ever going to be vibrant because technology and like you can work remote now. So why overpay for a place in Manhattan when you can like live where you are, where it's beautiful, nice, you know, a lot less rent, like, and you can just get, be as productive. So who yeah, knows? Dude, I pay like 2000 bucks a month. Well, base, I mean, there's other expenses or whatever, but like base, I got a golf course view and a mountain view in Boulder, Colorado, five minutes from an Apple store and every restaurant within a five mile radius you can possibly think of. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, and you know, who even knows when we're going to be like full time back in the office without like temperature checks. Like I, I, we were going to this, like we had this office space and the building wanted us to like do temperature checks before we walk into our own office space. I'm like, no, I'm not going to like do a temperature check every time I go into my office. Like, I mean, so when, when is that? And I know they're, they're just trying to do what they know best. So like, it doesn't piss off their other tenants. So like, I, I didn't take it super personally, but I'm like, no, I don't want to do a temperature check every day I go into the office I pay for, you know? So like who even knows when that's going to be normal commercial real estate. I mean, it could be the end of like downtown vibrant cities, like the way we know it, like it could recover considerably, but it may never be the same. Right. Uh, Takeaway though, like build a business model that has multiple streams of revenue and that the government hopefully has no way of locking <laughs> down. You know, like they'd have to get really creative to lock e-com stores down. You know, like, uh, you know what, by the way, speaking of that, some of our manufacturers and fulfillment centers, like, then it gets gray on like what products are essential and non-essential that are being manufactured and fulfilled. Like that's why non-essential and essential this business discussion is really, really ridiculous and really, really toxic to the society because we are proud Patriot store. We do um, like uh, currency collectibles and things like that. And my manufacturer said like, Hey, we're supposed to be shutting down, but we only have like a handful of people in our shop and they want to still work. Like we're just going to still go in every day. But like, fortunately they had that mindset. Like they weren't considered essential and we could have like our whole e-com store, even though we could sell online and drive a bunch of traffic, our fulfillment partner wasn't considered essential because, you know, he's selling a bunch of bills and coins with Trump's face on them, you know? So like, yeah, it's multiple streams of revenue and have as much control as you can. And yeah. what I would say too, biggest takeaway, I'm never gonna, like, I will never buy into another lockdown. And like, if I had a retail store and they tried to lock me down again, I would keep the doors open and they just have to like handcuff me out. And I just think like, we have to have that attitude as Americans. Like yeah. I'm not harming anybody. I'm running my business. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to keep the economy going. I'm trying to still buy products from my suppliers who I know their families. And like, I don't want them to suffer. Like, if you're going to arrest me for that, like, fuck it, arrest me, and I will, um, you know, yeah, deal with it in court. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that I'm just not going to buy into another lockdown for the rest of my life either. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a personal choice. I think for me, it's been interesting to watch where money goes. Like, in a pandemic, in uh, a lockdown state, like, not only what the government deems as essential, but like literally where people spend their money and what people are doing with their money like during this whole time. Um, you know, I'm like, I, I'm not a brick and mortar type person. I can't fathom having a brick and mortar store unless it was like a, a studio for like, I don't know, like yoga or something like that, right? Like super yeah. low overhead. And it's just like a, a space of some sort. 
but it was interesting. I'm like, man, if I were an investor parking my money in business, okay, cool. Like Starbucks, uh, like small, like small corner coffee shops without like room inside, like just drive through only. Those are probably relatively low ca capital overhead. Um, you know, lo looking at essential goods, like looking where whenever, when, when crap hits the ceiling, when there's literally a pandemic, when half of the country is living in fear, like where does the money go? And as yeah. long as you're tapped into those streams, like you're going to be all right. No, I, I agree with that completely, actually. And a, an old friend of mine, like her dad, uh, like worked at like a toilet paper manufacturing company. I'm like, they're never going to not need toilet paper. They have lasers that zap it off our butts. Then they're going to yeah, need toilet paper. That's yeah. true. Or we just, yeah, we just stop eating and shitting at some point. <laughs> evolve to stop eating food. But like, I'm like, that's a good, like, how can I create a business like toilet paper where people are always going to have to have some? And that's house? what I'm saying. What You know what did really well though in 2020? A buddy of mine is a director of operations for a franchise group that owns a shit ton of pizza huts and talk about health. What we were talking about, he's like, dude, we have never, we're hitting record numbers really? at all of our stores. Like, cause people aren't leaving the house. They're ordering pizza you know, that's the funny pizza and fucking alcohol and delivery. They're not even leaving their house. It's just coming to their house. And now like, you can order alcohol. You can literally have alcohol delivered to you in 10 minutes. So yeah, you can have a pizza hut pizza and a 12 pack of beer. <laughs> you don't even have to like burn a calorie to get up and get it. Like, no, I'm, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we're getting, uh, you know, those people are going to do great with the virus though. So yeah, the other one, the other thing that's great is, um, so weed. You know, what's crazy is that like up until, so I live in Colorado, it's legal here, right? So everybody's had to always pay in cash ever since it's legal. It's cash, cash, cash only, right? Like, because technically speaking, it's illegal at the federal level. Yeah. And so like at the state level, they have to collect it all in cash. Well, because of COVID now, the government basically stepped in and was like, hey, because of, con like, because of contactless delivery, they don't want cash changing hands. And so now uh, credit cards are allowed. You can like prepay online. And I'm like, dude, the weed companies around here are blowing the frick up, man. With online ordering, I can literally go and I can either have it, uh, I can go and pull up in my car and have weed walked out to me and I don't have to get out. I don't have to have cash. I don't have to have anything. They're blowing up here in Colorado too, is the, the marijuana industry. I mean, good for them. But what I would say is like, who's, who's like the, like what? By the way, like one of the reasons I'm so like small government kind of anti-government is not because I don't think there's people that have great intentions as they and they care. I believe a lot of people in government truly do care, but I don't sure. believe they're the smartest and most capable or they wouldn't be in government. They'd be in the private sector earning more right. than 60 grand a year, uh, like writing law. So it's like, who's the 60 grand a year lifetime government employee that's telling us which businesses are essential and not essential right. auto. like who the fuck's right. making that decision yeah. <laughs> because they're just changing so many lives and they like they don't even like and they've never been successful at anything in their lives but all of a sudden they have all this power like that's not that their intentions are good they may say hey like people need weed but they don't don't need to get haircuts you know but like, like they, who, yeah i don't know but like who's deciding that like you know what i mean like who's deciding who we could do with their lives at all ah! Well, who's it makes me so mad. Like I was talking about like, and then we get in like a shame off over like, well, uh, you shouldn't feel bad. You, you can't go to prom because, uh, well, my like grandpa's sick. And, and it's like, who are we to say like this 17 year old, like 
with their best friends they may never see for the rest of their life like the prom's not big to them like who are we to say like what's bigger and like what's more important you know what i mean like maybe that's right. something like they may never have that experience and they really missed out or like whatever the fuck it is like just who are we to just like judge people for what's important to them in their lives like yeah and the 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 only legitimate case for the lockdowns that i have heard and i want to give credit to the others i where credit is due right is yeah. hey listen if we are at max hospital capacity, right? Like we literally can't care for anybody else. Like if you get COVID, we're full. Then we need to lock down and have everybody chill out for a second until we bring some of those cases down. That's the only logical argument. I'm not even saying I agree with it, but it's the only logical argument that I have heard for the other side, which is if we can't care for the people, then more and more people are going to die. It's one thing if we have hospital spaces. But like I, most I places still have hospital spaces. Yeah, I agree. And the only place that got overrun on hospital space was New York, even though it was like on news every day. Like I feel like every day on CNN, I was like, this place is getting close to capacity, but like nowhere ever got like overran outside of New York. And like even New York, after they brought that ship. And yeah, they brought that huge freaking ship in. There. It got to like 10% capacity and like no hospitals been, we've opened up like pretty close back to normal in a lot of areas and like hospital, uh, hospitalizations for uh covid patients is like a lot lower than it was in the spring so again we just know who it affects like you it's like i was reading this report it was something 300 kids got it at some college and it's a outbreak and they had to shut down the school and if you like read through it it's like zero hospitalizations you know it's like who the fuck cares if a bunch of like healthy kids get right, it? Get, like, just get it and get it done with. Like, you're going to be just fine. I've known so many freaking people that have had it. Five of my family members have had it. And like my mom had it and was like really, really bad. Like borderline, like ready to go to the hospital. Like my mom like never gets sick. And like she was in bed, couldn't move for like three days. And now she's a week later back up and fine and functioning and good. And like she's almost 60. Right. So I'm like, you know what? Everybody just needs to chill out and go, go live their life. Oh, it's so frustrating, dude. Like it makes, there's nothing that makes me more upset than somebody else trying to tell somebody else how to live their life. And by the way, that was the lockdown thing was probably the biggest reason I was like, uh, pro Trump in 2020, not because I love Trump, not because I agree with a lot of things he says or does. Like I would, I don't not like, I will go insane if there's another lockdown. Like, well, I just, if Biden gets in and like, I don't know, let's say he does lock down the country. Let's say he does, what, are they, what does he call it? Listen to scientists. Is that is that one? You mean the, the yeah, whatever. Well, anyway. When it comes to health recommendations for actually beating the virus, but. Or, yeah. or voting, or voting. Yeah, yeah. Fauci said there's no reason that people can't vote in person as long as they have a mask on. And then on election day, the CDC came out and said, hey, by the way, if you are currently positive for COVID, if you are currently positive and in quarantine, it is okay for you to break quarantine to go vote. This was actually from the CDC. Like how, how the F does that make any sense? Cause CDC knows it's just not that deadly. Like they, they're not like, like I'm going to listen. Oh yeah. Listen to the scientists unless it's a fucking riot. Like, uh, right. Or, or unless it yeah. benefits us in any way. Although like, I will say this stuff that's making me like shift, right? Like stuff like that, where it's just like any reasonable person can look at that and be like, okay, you can't, you can't go to Thanksgiving with your family that maybe you see once a year. But if it's a fucking protest, like, like meet up away. Like, yeah, you, go like, for it, bro. Hang out down there. That, yeah. We're just going to have uh Thanksgiving protest parties. That's, that's around. 
that yeah. that's you know, it's interesting. I, I read an article too. So like I'm a big or my my mom and, and my fiance both they're big. I don't know if health freaks are the right is the right word, but like big into like nutrition and, and health and things of that nature. Very, you know, very like uh, plant based and kind of things like that. 80%. And my mom has been saying this since like day one. She's like, Josh, make sure you take your vitamin C, make sure you take your vitamin D. And she wants elderberry too. 80% of people that were hospitalized with COVID had a vitamin D deficiency. 80%. Isn't that crazy? I think I heard that on Rogan, right? Was that what they were talking about? Was oh, he might have talked about it. I saw like four articles about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I saw like, I, I believe I, I did see that. Yeah, like, but stay inside and don't get any sunlight, which right. is more. Stay best. inside, don't exercise, drink alcohol, and order everything off Grubhub. Yeah. Like, just. But and if I, you fucking get an ounce of sun on your skin, you're going to die of the virus. But you're going to die, bro. Okay, so funny story about that. So um, like I said, I have a Jeep Wrangler. It's all tricked it out, uh, tricked out, right? Lifted, got big off-road tires on it or whatever. We go up into Boulder, um, and there's like this off-road trail where like uh, even most pickup trucks couldn't get through it. Like you've got to have a, a lifted vehicle because it is like rocky, like really, really, you know, bouldery. So we, we go and it's like a 45 minute drive and you're going like three miles an hour over these massive rocks. Super, super fun. And when you get all the way to the top and like all the way out there, we're talking like middle of absolute bum F nowhere, dude. Like the, the closest city is like a 45 minute drive. And there's this, this turnoff, this kind of like parking area. And we pull in, of course, we're the only ones there. It's me and my fiance and we get out and there's a sign that's like, please wear a mask to stop the spread of COVID. I was like, are you kidding me right now, man? Like, if I get COVID out here, just let me die. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're moving your body. You're getting sunlight. You're, you know. Going on a hike. We're outdoors. There's not any, there's not, not a house for insight. Uh, why is our government so dumb, dude? And like to top it off too, I feel like all the, like it's like the last like COVID thing because I feel like we've covered everything, but like all the more recent studies say that asymptomatic spread is very rare, you know? So it's like, hey, if you, even if you have it, but you tested positive, but you are like asymptomatic, like that's very rare. A lot of studies support that. Maybe not impossible, but like, again, like that's why I just think like case numbers and that's like, the media has done, I don't, I, like, it's done a great job of scaring people and it just shows, like, how, like, stupid people are, like, in general. Like, on both sides. I mean, it is what it is. Like, we're just a lot of dumb people, myself included. But, like, they don't talk about, like, death rates, hospitalization rates. It's, like, case numbers. It's, like, case yeah. numbers. And it's just, like, who the fuck cares? Like, are we going to track every case number of every virus that ever comes up in the country for the rest of the time? Like, how many like random flu strain viruses were there in the last like hundred years? Like there are probably so many years where tens of millions of people got like, like H1N1, it was like tens of millions of people got that. Like, and probably five or 10 years before that, like since the beginning of time, like are we just gonna, we care about cases that much? And like, oh, there's cases spreading, like deaths are down and hospitalizations are down and we know how to treat it better, but fuck, there's more cases. Like, and the people are just like, let's keep this motherfucker closed down now. <laughs> <laughs> like, why oh, are so important? Why do we care about that? It's, it, dude, it's just power. It's, it's power. That's what they want. What do you think? Okay, so what are some positive things that have come out of COVID? We hate COVID. It sucks. We hate the response to COVID. Our government officials are stupid. They're clueless dummies that do not know how to run the country at all or make decisions for us. 
Uh, although I, most of America is probably not much better because half of them lives in fear and doesn't do anything anyway, and they listen to them. Like you got to be just as dumb to listen to them as the person making the decisions. But anyway, now let's talk something positive about COVID. What are some positive things that have come from? Yeah, I, I appreciate you looking at the silver lining. I mean, they're and that's that's how I feel like as entrepreneurs, our brands have to be wired, right? right for sure, a positive and things. I mean, it definitely got me a lot more comfortable uh, being alone. I would say like it kind of forced us to be a little more isolated than we're typically used to, I think, um, which is ultimately a, a big component of mental health, right? Like being happy with yourself, being alone on your own. Like if you're not happy in those places, you're ultimately not going to be happy no matter who you're around. So I think that was a big one. Uh, I personally got way healthier, healthier and started eating a lot cleaner and you're not going out and drinking and doing stuff like that. Like, so um, like, I'm like close to my lowest. I'm like close to my like high school weight almost. You know, like I just nice. cleaned my shit up. Um, I started my like my podcast, like I mentioned earlier. Like just a lot of things. I feel like I, I read a lot of books and just really worked on myself because I had a lot of free time. So I nice. our business is doing better than ever. Uh, we're fortunate. We're in all my marketing space, and we have you know clients, and then we have a couple of our own brands. So. I like, obviously I don't like the, the legal restrictions that are in place and I wish stuff would, uh, open back up to normal. But with that being said, like outside of that, like it's probably been like the most positive year of my life. That's awesome. What about for you? Oh man. Um, 2020 has been the best year of my life for sure. But like 2019 was also the worst year of my life because of, you know, my brother died in a helicopter crash and I ended up selling my business and traveling around the world only to end up with my girlfriend getting an intestinal eating parasite and losing tens of thousands of dollars to try to get her home from overseas. Like it was just a crazy year last year. So like this year is like been a cakewalk compared to last year for me from, uh, from that perspective. But, um, I think COVID, uh, has, has helped my confidence level as an entrepreneur in being willing to take risks. Cause like now I, like it's taught me how to, I've been able to, from an outsider's perspective, see how companies have been successful with COVID and how companies have not been successful with COVID. I've had my best year in business ever. Right. Um, but I'm a relatively small business. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's not really hard to do. I mean, it'd be one thing if I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Um, so there's that. And and that I by the way, that's still success though, man. I mean, it is, you could have just been like a victim and been like, Oh, COVID my, I, I, my life sucks. Like, I mean, it's still awesome. You just grind it. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. And that's, it's a great way to look at that. Yeah. It's been certainly been the best year. Um, I think for me, it's, it's gotten me more aware of like keeping up with. So, so like I didn't eat healthy before. I don't t really eat all that healthy now. Like I don't, really eat unhealthy so much, but like my fiance cooks really, really well. So I eat like half good, half junk. But what, what it kind of woke me up for was like my vitamin levels and like making sure that I have the right amounts of nutrition, you know, nutrition and stuff like in my body to like keep those levels high. Um, and like exercising more just to like be out and about. Cause I'm, I'm a big believer if I get COVID, I'll be just fine, but I'll be more fine if my vitamin levels are right and I'm exercising and healthy and like, you know, out and about. Um, so yeah, I would say like that for sure. And then honestly, this is the most, it's like a funny thing, but I, so I eat out a ton. Um, like we, at one point we ate out like seven days a week pre COVID, but we still eat out now, even with COVID. But two of my favorite things that have come out of COVID with the restaurant industry is number one, QR code menus. Like, I don't know why that wasn't a thing forever ago and QR code payments. 
Like most of the restaurants that we go and eat at now, I don't have to hand my credit card in anymore. I can just scan the receipt and I pay right there. That's that's something that can't, was positive out of the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think like there's probably some things that re restaurants should keep and I'm not like a big germaphobe by any means, but like sharing the same plastic menu for three years with like people, like probably a paper menu is a little nicer anyway. Maybe they stick with that, you know, like or paper or QR. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a gross plastic menu that like the, a baby threw up on before, like, and maybe they cleaned it off. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? Like, yeah, oh, they just kind of wipe it down and a hostess that I'm sure really cares about the safety and health of all the, right. The, the customers. I'm sure she sanitized that. So yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some basic things like that. Like Chipotle, like companies are really had to improve their delivery game. So I think it's forcing like fast casuals. Like I know Chipotle created a whole separate line for one for their, in-person like lines and one for their uh, delivery line. Oh no way. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know like that's a big thing they're, they're implementing because what they've done, you probably know, like they just like, will have an online order and it'll just like interrupt. They'll just be like, you'll be waiting in line. And there's just like an online order coming in and you're just like, are you going to like make my ball? And they're just like making an online order. You know what I'm talking about? I, I don't need a Chipotle. Okay. Well now because the online orders grew so much and I guess like, the in-person was a lot, is a lot less. Like they're just, they made a separate line. So That's awesome. just forcing them to be more efficient. It's like, Hey, maybe you have a separate line for that anyway, because like people, like, I don't really like waiting in line and you're making like four bowls for an online order before, you know, like I get mine, which happens. So th there are some positives, uh, there as well. But I, I, I think from an efficiency standpoint, it really sped a lot of things up to you from a convenience standpoint. And like people can be pissed off at Jeff Bezos for getting freaking loaded rich and Elon Musk and all the rich people yeah, at the top are getting loaded. Why the fuck wouldn't they? Yeah. But yeah. And also, but I'm like, uh, also I have Amazon prime and I can order something. I live in Broomfield, right? Like right outside of Denver. Like, dude, I can literally, I'm not kidding you have almost anything that I want ordered to my house next day. And in a lot of cases, same day I ordered, I got a new, uh, not in here. I got a new iPad, right? Got it. I was like, oh man, I need a case. I'll go online to Apple. And I was like, all right, you know, search for the cases. Amazon's like, we can have it to you in two hours. And I'm like, okay. Clicked it. It was here 43 minutes later. I'm like, Jeff Bezos, you can get as rich as you want. If you do that for me, I don't even care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the convenience levels and the ability to, to move product and, and ship things effectively and cut down on waste, I think has really, really been well, phenomenal yeah he deserves i mean that's the beautiful thing about capitalism and i don't like when like capitalism is like the cure for a lot of problems people are having having not the enemy like the only reason he's that wealthy is he's solving such a problem in the marketplace like people don't like the weight and now with covid they a lot of people don't like to go out in public so i'm gonna ship it to you faster and you don't gotta be scared and leave your house like he deserves he he has a product and service that solves a big problem and serves a lot of people like he deserves to be as wealthy as possible because of that yeah i agree where are you headed to you're in a hotel yeah i'm in a hotel right now um i'm in south carolina charleston have you ever been no i mean i've been to south carolina but i charleston yeah so i'm gonna go out and explore charleston and then uh savannah actually tomorrow night have you been to savannah uh-uh you know what i should invite you to by the way, we're having our mastermind meetup next month. In it's an in-person event. We can talk about that if you want to. Ooh, come. where's we that? Have, uh, it's in Orlando. Nice. 
we're running a, a, a private club that Max and I are a part of. Um, we're going to do like temperature checks and basic stuff, but we're, it's going to be normal. I mean, somebody's got to be the first and start doing shit again. I'm not just going to wait around. Like, yeah. So we're, we're really excited about that, but love to, uh, love yeah, to talk. What about to talk about that for sure. Yeah. I'm going next year though. I'm going back to Savannah. Um, there's an event called ghost and guns that one of my buddies hosts and, it's a bunch of like people in the online marketing space and we just shoot a bunch of guns. Last year I shot an yeah. AR, AR 15 out of a helicopter. It was dope. Dude. That I, can, I can get you an invite. Like it, it was so much fun, bro. Like, it, you know, it was like just sh like shooting straight up in a helicopter was like kind of terrifying. Cause like, it's just like there's a little ass helicopter and it's like whipping around. Like it was, it was, it was kind of freaky. That's crazy. Dad, that sounds like so much fun. My brother's in the military. And he's been in the military for gosh, so long. It's been like eight years. I, I, and he's only 24. He's been in since he's like been 15 years old. He was in like some junior program. Anyway, so like in the state of Indiana, he won the he won the governor's shoot, I think. I think, I think he was one. He's like top three shooters in the whole state for the military um, for like rifle competition. So whenever I, I go home, my parents have a farm and um, like he keeps a lot of guns at home. He's got like so many freaking guns. So we go back there and we shoot all the time. And he literally just builds different AR-15s, like whatever he wants. He's like, I want this, this, and this today. Puts it together, sights it in, and like we go like shoot up there. I freaking love guns, dude. It I I honestly like I I wasn't really into them until maybe like a few years ago. And I'm still I wouldn't say I'm like a like a fan. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is fun. Like I see the appeal. And by the way, like these like crazy gun control people, like the most conservatives I know that are big pro second amendment are like the safest people with their guns. Like I'm like, I'm kind of a newbie. So I'm like, kind of like lifting it up. Like I shouldn't be. And they're like, Hey, like keep that thing down and like, make sure it's like the safety's on. And like gun safety is like very, very important. And they're yeah. like, if you do not follow this. Like you will get kicked out. Like yeah. they're like, if you have one drink, you're not allowed to shoot. Like they're just like gun safety. I was very impressed. Like they took it very serious and that environment made me feel a lot better about shooting these big guns too, because it's just yeah. people that are really prideful in the safety side of it, which I feel like goes unnoticed when like a lot of these gun control laws are talked about. Like people that I know are some of the biggest gun advocates are some of the like biggest, like, fans of gun safety. hundred percent. I grew up around that. I mean, I grew up in, well, my nearest neighbor was a half mile away, like the middle of the country. And I mean, at 11 years old, we were in gun safety classes and all the towns around each one of them had their own little gun club where they taught all of us like gun safety and pistol safety and rifle safety and how to clean them and how to care for them. And like all the hunting rules and all like, if you're in a gun community, it's one of the safest places you can be because if you're in a gun community, like you said, they, they respect gun safety and like, they don't want there to ever be a reason where someone's messing around with a gun and someone dies accidentally for two reasons. One, they don't want anybody dying accidentally. And number two, they never want there to be a reason that the government can come in and say, Hey, you're being irresponsible. Like they take that stuff very, very, very seriously. I mean, my, all my sisters were like, grew up shooting guns. All my brothers grew up shooting guns. I, you know, marksmen's and with everything. And, um, you know, those, those people are the ones that are the safest with guns. The ones where there's guns laying around everywhere, but that are appropriately taken care of. Like that's the best place in the world to be. No, I, I agree. Do you remember the, it was from like a year or two ago, like somebody broke into a church, like a gunman and he like literally shot one person before he could shoot a second. Yeah. He just got fucking like the gun. Yeah. He got shot. Just pulled out a gun and shot him like point blank. Like, yeah, you got to love about like 
that's what I do love about the Second Amendment. It's like, you know, nobody can just like have that level of power. Like the last place you probably want to bring a gun into and to, it shoot up a church is Texas, you know? Like Yeah, for sure. It was thought thought out. Like he literally got to one person, I think. It was like one or two people. Yeah. And like it's so funny because the environment that I grew up in, everybody carried guns. Like yeah. I bet you, I mean, I went to a relatively small church, but I bet you 25% of the guys, and maybe not 25%, 20, 15 to 20% of the guys in that church every Sunday had a gun on them. But you never know, right? They were just concealed. And it's like when you have the mentality that, hey, this is is we're not out to kill anybody. We know why we have it. We're well equipped. We're you know safe. Like we're safe with it. We're educated with it. We're never gonna have to use it unless we, or we never, we're never gonna use it unless we actually absolutely have to. But like we have that on. Like that's the mentality that you want to have with guns. And I, not to get political too much with it, I just laugh when anybody's like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, when Beto's up there, like, hell yeah, we're gonna take your AR-15s. I'm like, you are actually an idiot. Like that's actually never gonna happen. That'll that'll never happen. And again, actually, will never happen. I'm like, not ever. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I don't think it'll ever happen. And also, again, like the Holocaust wasn't even a hundred years ago. Like, I don't know how like we have such such short memories in society, but like if all the Jews were armed, like you think the Holocaust would have happened? Like there's yeah. no there's no way. Like, so again, maybe there are a few more deaths because of gun violence than we would like, and we can always talk about increasing gun safety and stuff like that, but the second amendment's a beautiful thing. It's going to prevent something like that from ever happening. Again, yep. you can't say it like, like we have grandparents that were alive during that. That's not that long ago. It's crazy. Um, well, there's a lot of people. I mean, when I want to say a lot of people, but there is a, a small push and there have been articles circulating around that either a deny the Holocaust or B deny how bad it was. And, uh, you know, if, if you read some of the articles and you're like, how, how do you, how have we come to this point? And it's because of the media. It's because of the narratives that have been pushed. It's one of the downsides of free speech. Uh, actually, I have a question for you on that. Do you think that free speech should apply to uh, companies and corporations? So I'm assuming you're talking about like social networks? No, I'm talking about companies, period. So like the First Amendment is freedom of speech, right? So like, do you and I have freedom of speech? Or do company... Uh, the, like, is a company considered an individual that has free speech? Yeah, I would say the brush should be as broad as possible. And again, there are downsides to freedom of speech, but I think the upsides far outweigh the downsides. I mean, you're, you're seeing the downsides in this election potentially with suppressed speech, right? Like, or during COVID, like how many videos... Doctors, right, they may not have, agree with the CDC, but they were doctors stating their opinion, saying, hey, these lockdowns are bullshit, we should open back up, like, we're not in, we're not saying COVID doesn't exist, we're saying it's not as deadly and it's not as big deal as what we're making, like, doctors, like, people with licenses that dedicate their life to serving people, those videos were removed, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. I know the one I shared got taken down. Yeah, like, and again, they're doctors, like, maybe maybe a majority did agree with the lockdowns, but there's still tens of thousands of doctors that didn't, right? And they deserve a voice too. And I would say, yeah, the brush should be as as broad as possible. I, I think free speech is is very, very important. I'm, I'm not like a person that believes like it should be free speech except for these three exceptions. It should be like, unless it's the like yell fire in a movie theater, bomb on a plane type thing, which I do, you know, agree with that. But 
I think free speech is crucial. So yeah, I would say companies have have free speech as well. Yeah, because that's but one of the things that I've been uh, contemplating in in fixing this, especially when it comes to like journalism. Like there, I think there's a difference between because it's freedom of the press, right? That's one of the amendments is um, like we have the freedom of the press, and yeah. I think that there's a difference between like reporting and opinion, and it's interesting to me like how much like with journalism today how much lies and i'm not blaming one political party i'm just saying in general how many how much lies and misinformation is spread and propaganda is fed and i'm like hey i believe that every individual should have free speech if you're online if you're offline like whatever but i would be open to uh entertaining some form of idea that like you can't like that maybe opinion opinion journalism where you're doing it under a company name needs to be categorized a certain way like at least labeled a certain way like you like for everybody not just like some of them like literally saying hey listen this is like hey if you're a reporter there's two different types of reporting there's factual reporting here's like literally just there's no opinion in it it's like here are the facts here's what happened versus opinion based and by the way like you can say these things, but you need to understand that this is strictly opinion and we cannot use these things against us in a court of law or like, you know, whatever. Like, I feel like there could be some boundaries there because I don't know if corporations really are categorized as under the First Amendment of freedom of speech. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, I, I, I see what you're saying there. And again, I'm not like, I'm not an attorney. I'm not like super versed on this, but yeah, some sort of like disclaimer. It's like, cool, everybody should be, in, I'll have a right to their opinion but some sort of disclaimer where it's like, hey, this is an opinion. Like I would love to like, like I don't mind CNN and MSNBC and even Fox on the right being biased. Just be honest about your bias. Right, like, right. Like it's like, cool, you love Biden. You That's fine, but just like be honest about that bias. And I think that's really important. Be like, hey, like, and I don't know how it's done yet. It's like, it's tricky, but I mean, and again, like we have, the most credible, which it's sad because I feel like even like New York Times stuff is is losing credibility. But you had like the New York Times, which is like the stuff like our parents, like even your parents, which are big time conservative, probably grew up reading the New York Times. So now it's like shifted right, but mostly credible, but it's not even that credible anymore. And then there's the Wall Street Journal, which is the right leaning version of, you know, a credible. Everybody knows New York Times leans left. Everybody knows Wall Street Journal reads leans right. But it's like there's some base level of credibility, but outside of a couple big ones like that, like who the fuck is credible? Like who, who takes any Like I, Eddie entrepreneurs listening out there for all you guys out there that are looking for a business idea to start. Here you go. I would literally pay a hundred dollars a month subscription per month for just access to factual data, like unbiased. I don't care what it is. Like, just tell me exactly what the facts of the matter are. I'd pay a hundred bucks a month for a subscription for that. There is I literally, company, I literally don't know what it is. He, there is, there are companies that do that. I can't remember the name because I was subscribed to one and they would send like daily, like political and business news. That was, that was like as unbiased as possible. And it was like down the middle. So I, I and again, that's why like shows like Rogan and I feel like podcasts are just becoming the better form of media because you can have conversations and like see people's true thoughts. And like, I don't agree with a lot of what Bernie says. There's a few things I think he has good ideas on, but most I don't agree with them at all. 
but like hearing him on Rogan, I'm like, he explained his ideas. No, wasn't that wild? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah. I don't like Bernie as much as I thought. Like he's, you know, I don't agree with him, but he's a good guy. I can tell he cares. He's passionate about it. Like you don't get that from articles. You don't get that from news channels. Like anywhere. I, it made me like under, at least even if I don't agree, I think it made me like understand his point of view. A hundred percent. It made me go, oh, okay. Bernie's not insane. He's wrong, but like he's genuine. He's not, I don't, I got done with that interview and I was like, I actually felt like Bernie was living his truth, if you will. He was doing the thing that he actually genuinely believed was best for society, right? And I may have disagreed with most, if not all of the points that he made. But like you said, you saw a side of him that was like, oh, cool. There's a little bit more thought than the media eclipse. Oh, okay. Like he actually cares about this over here. There's a backstory behind it. There's a reason that he thinks that way. Okay, cool. And that's part of the reason that we do these longer form episodes is so that people have the ability to more express themselves and get a full picture. I, I mean, I hate 15 and 30 minute episodes because like you can't even get into anything. You can't possibly get to know somebody or their opinions or something that's just taken out of context. And now it's not even 15 minutes. It's 15 seconds, 30 yeah, seconds. Little snippets and then it's on to the next person. And yeah, like Bernie, this is what I respect about him. Like, the, you know, most of the Democratic Party will never talk about big pharma. And he talked about that on his Rogan interview, like how like a handful of big pharma companies like control the entire industry and how, you know, we need to decriminalize drugs, which I agree with him on. And no, decriminal sorry, go continue. Actually, yeah, yeah now we can touch on that, too. But like he will go there when most Democrats won't because they're paid by big pharma. Yeah. And Bernie, you can tell he's like, hey, like, I know I'm going to suffer like. Because he has those views, Biden's where he's at and Bernie's not. If Bernie shifted center, Bernie probably could be the nominee, but at least he stuck to his guns, and I, I fucking respect that. And yeah. he's always had these views. And, and, yeah, like, there's things like that. It's, like, cool, like, big pharma and, like, these drugs that are putting in people and keeping people sick, like, I, I agree with him on. So, yeah. Do you think uh, hard drugs should be decriminalized? So this is where I, I am pretty, like, you know, maybe like radical for most. I, I think every drug should be legal and we should treat people as patients, not as criminals. I think distribution of drugs is maybe a different story. And obviously like driving under the influence and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, there should be strict laws in place, but most people like if they're using drugs recreationally or they're doing it on a Saturday night with their friends or whatever, like I personally think we should allow people to do what they want to do. But what about like, what about like heroin and like hard drugs. Yeah. So if it was a perfect world and like making things illegal was the solution, then maybe, but we just have to look at the data. I mean, you know, opioids and a lot of drugs are like at record usage. Obviously, making it illegal isn't the solution. <laughs> Clearly. So not that I'm for, and again, it's tricky from a politician standpoint because if you say decriminalize, you're almost implying that you're for use which isn't necessarily true but it's like hey let's treat these people as patients because they're sick you know again i'm not talking about dealers i'm not talking about driving under the influence i think that's different but yeah people that are literally like you think someone like wants to inject themselves in their fucking arm with like drugs to like feel good so they can like navigate through life like they're obviously sick or they're obviously dealing with something so instead of throwing them in prison and 
spending money to do that and spending police like money to have police enforce it it'd be a fraction of the cost in my opinion which again small government i'm a small government guy to you know just treat them and get them off yeah. drugs and try to help them and again if I'm, if it making it illegal was effective i'd probably lean that way but obviously making it illegal uh it doesn't seem to work so yeah i'm definitely more in your boat than the other boat for sure the only the only thing about like if a drug does not make you um incapable of functioning i don't care i literally don't care you can you should be able to do whatever you want like i might disagree with cocaine but like like it doesn't make you unfunctionable like you know what i mean i've lots of people that do coke and they're like functioning thing now like heroin and stuff like that that's a different fundamentally a different story a lot of times couldn't you like how many like drugs you can get prescribed can have a similar effect effect well adderall is basically like like light cocaine well, yeah, or just like uh, alcohol, like how you can just, which I could go go to the store right now, or actually, it's essential. We can have it delivered right now. There you go. <laughs> we drink ourselves to to death, you know. Like if we wanted, we could drink ourselves to death or get very very sick, and that's like everybody drinks. Like President Obama, like was known to like have a couple beers with dinner, and like that's a, like acceptable by society which again is fine like i think if you're responsible you can make your own decisions but like and i'm not like i think the first steps maybe are just federally making marijuana i mean anything from the fucking ground i mean for no, God, it, like, we need to be legal it's a 700 plan. years ago like what yeah. is the problem yeah i love colorado dude i love weed and like, yeah so i mean i'm not i i i know like anybody running on let's decriminalize every drug in the world like it's probably you <laughs> have too many fans but you know, i'm fine starting with like starting with a couple and taking baby steps and yeah you know again even if it's reducing prison sentences for some of these uh, which by the way trump has been doing uh which is not a po like super popular conservative view that's where he's more progressive like he's not like a card carrying hardcore conservative he's you know i think he's like just kind of down the middle on a lot of stuff yeah like, so yeah, I you know if it's reducing prison sentences for some of the hard stuff, federally legalizing. I mean, I think we can just head in the right direction and do a lot of people good because you put, you know, typically like if it's a you know black man or a you know father of a household and you're putting them in prison for drug possession, I mean that hurts that household and it's not treating the guy; it's just throwing him in prison and treating him like right. an animal, you know. And it. it the the prison system is one of uh well the criminal justice system in general is just like one of the most messed up systems out there especially with like prison like the unions for like prison worker unions i mean like they're they're basically campaigning to keep things illegal to to keep inmates high i mean that's how they have work that's how they have jobs right it's like that's just insane and it's insane that these people are, I mean, you look at like marijuana charges. There are literally people that are in jail right now with 10 year, 20 year, even some lifelong sentences for amounts of weed that I smoke in a night. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause they had them on them and now it's totally legal. I can go buy 10 times the amount that they had on them at the store today in Colorado. And these people are in jail for the rest of their life over it. It's insanity. And it's like, we've got to, at some point, we've got to sit down and go, like, what are we doing? I mean, the, we're ruining people's lives and we're ruining society over 
you know, don't get me wrong. Like there's, I'm not endorsing drugs. I'm not saying, Hey, everybody go smoke weed or try all these different drugs or do these things. But I'm like, at some point got to let people live their life and not throw them in jail or completely destroy their family or completely destroy the rest of their life over it. Yeah. It's like, okay, a little time out, but fucking 20 years in prison, like for a gram of weed. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? No. I, and that's kind of my viewpoint. And this is, if the democratic party truly cared about black lives, which they don't, if they truly did, they would be talking every day about decriminalization of drugs because there's hundreds of thousands of black men in prison, not with their kids, not with their you know loved ones because they're in prison for drug possession. Oh, right, right. That is a much, much bigger impact in a negative way, in my opinion, too. And All Kamala Harris is one of the people that put them there. No, she did. And like, it's, it's a joke. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you heard that, uh, episode on Rogan of the, what's that nonprofit, the innocence project. And this was like a couple months or like a month before Biden chose Kamala. They're like, they were sharing some stories about how just like vindictive Kamala was and how all she cared about her record. And she would just ruin people's lives if it meant protecting her record. Uh, Josh Dubin and Jason Flum. Yeah. The innocence project. Yeah project yeah and i again i like i think like i've talked to, to max and christopher with, like in my company about like i think that would be a, an organization i would love to partner with and donate to because all they do is there's tons of people like you and me we get a drug charge or we get you know something unless it's like crazy like mass murder spree like we're gonna like probably be able to hire legal help to get yeah the, literally you know, hire a lawyer and we pay a fine and we're on our way yeah, but like most people, you know, even white color, it's not just like people of color. If you just grow up super low income, you're not super educated, you just get caught in the wrong wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, you could there's some people that have life sentences for like some bullshit. Like there's the guy he uh, Rogan's like, "How would you even get into this space?" And he's like, "I heard about a kid that got 25 years in prison." for cocaine possession and it was his first ever legal offense like and he's like i and he said he made a couple calls to like a lawyer buddy of his and like the music space and he ended up like getting him out on like you know really really minimal charges but if he hadn't done that like this guy that doesn't have financial resources just just trusted this like prosecutor or whatever it is this like hired defendant by the government which again government employees we talked about that like they're just not that they don't mean well, they're just not very smart or why the fuck would they be working for the government? Like 25 years in prison. And that's just like one of countless examples. So yeah, I mean, I think drug reform is a big one. I think the first party to really start talking about that is like, I'll be like really respectful of, but yeah. Do you yeah. think there's any chance for a break in the two party system anytime soon? Again, this isn't something that I'm like super knowledgeable about, but what I will say is my opinion on that is as long as people are single issue voters, we're going to have two parties. Like if, as long as, and again, I'm a lot of, I have a lot of conservative friends and not all of them are pro life because of religious reasons. A lot of them are, but not all, a lot of them that I've talked to as well are pro life because, Hey, I value your life just as much as I do that uh, fetus's life. And like, I understand that. Like we will probably never, the country will probably never be united on abortion. I think there's a lot of things we can come together. Uh, yeah, never. Abortion, like till you and me are like dead, that's going to be a debate. Like, but 
I lean pro-choice just because it, not that I like am for abortion, just like I'm not for drug use. It's just like, what's the, like, if there's a gun to my head and I got to pick one, I lean more pro-choice and there's people on the left and the right, like they will vote for whichever candidate is pro-life or pro-choice. And there's, you know, obviously the second amendment is very important to a lot of conservatives and rightfully so, but you know, they're going to vote for who's ever strong on the second amendment or, or whatever it is, like whatever's most important to you. So as long as we're just, and that's what the parties, each party panders to. So as long as we're going to be a single issue vote society, which we seem to be like the fact that only 10% of the country, every election makes up the the president is crazy. Like there's 90% of the country that's already decided before, like, like literally before you even know the candidate <laughs> that to me is is crazy and by the way we talked about it earlier like historically like 10 percent of the like 90 percent of the black vote is democratic and there was a shift there which i think is fucking awesome because i actually think like the second amendment is for black people too you know like the second amendment's for everybody it's not like i think it's awesome that like uh minority communities are shifting and starting to be like all right the democratic party is getting a little bit little bit too crazy for me i just want to be safe and i want to live my life and be with my family and i just wish there was some party that was like hey we're the party of we'll leave you the all the f alone (laughs) libertarian party but unfortunately i don't even know are they even really a party i mean like kind of but but like i donated to gary johnson's campaign actually in 2016 and i was a big fan again like there are conservatives that i think have a hard time voting for a guy like gary johnson because he's pro-choice and then there's, you know, libertarians are also very pro Second Amendment. So there's, you know, radical progressives that are like, great, he's pro choice, but he believes in capitalism and he's for the Second Amendment. Like, I'm going to go with my like progressive viewpoint. You know, it's just, yeah. it's really, really difficult. I, I think as long as people are just really, really set on their votes, I think it's going to be really, really challenging. Yeah, I do. I do. Too. You know? Yeah. And until then, we're going to keep up with the BS that we have now, but, uh, have, oh well, and, and by the way, like, I don't think Trump, like if I had to guess, I would guess Trump's probably pro choice. He was, by the way, he was openly for gay man. And I'm not even like a big Trump guy. Like he is openly for gay marriage for way before Obama and Biden and tons of popular Democrats. Like you think Trump gives a shit like about that truly? Like, I think Trump just wanted to like create a bunch of jobs and, like do his best. Like Trump, Trump will do whatever best for Trump. And it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, black, white, man, woman, like if it's good for Trump, Trump will hire you. <laughs> no, for sure. What, by the way, what, what's like your main business now? What are you like? What are you doing primarily business wise? Yeah. So we got the show, um, which is kind of like my front facing personal brand, but then behind the scenes, I partner strategically. So basically the big problem that I was having was, I don't want ongoing client like to to like try to go sign ongoing clients because I hate client work. But at the same time, I wanted like continuity in the business, right? And so like I would come in and we'd charge thirty thousand bucks for a launch, and we'd do launches for people, and we'd freaking kill it. I mean, like we did a launch one time, hundred grand, two hundred grand, four hundred grand, like in a launch in like a week, right? We'd do it for these companies. It was like we'd walk in, set it up, and walk. And so we transitioned the model into where my team and I uh, strategically partner with companies to basically become their director of marketing. And so we switched uh, a couple months, a couple months, a few months back and uh, Cashflow Tactics is one of uh, the first major client that we've done this with where me and my team, like we run their marketing. We are their director of all front end marketing or whatnot. And then 
the show drives a, a percentage of the revenue through my own courses, sales, things like of that nature. But it's primarily uh, strategic partnerships with bigger brands uh, that have existing businesses where we can come in and just take a percentage of everything we sell. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you have any sponsors on your show yet? Mm -mm. No, heck no. Do you want any? No. I was going to say, bro, we should give it a shot. Just do one, one or a couple little trial with proudpatriots.com, bro. No. See what happens. Maybe. Uh, I'll, I'll hit you up when, when uh, we're ready to do sponsors. Here's my problem with sponsors, bro. A, they don't pay enough. And B, then I have to worry about saying something that my sponsors might not like. And Just so, so my you know, all we care about is the revenue you're driving. So you can say whatever you want. But all right. Something to consider, proudpatriots.com. I mean, you seem like you align with that from everything I've seen. So all right, proudpatriots.com. Proudpatriots.com, guys, this show is brought to you by proudpatriots.com. We're looking it up right now. At the yeah. very least, you know, there's some collaboration opportunity. All our customers are conservative leaning, you know, or they're this just dope. Actually. I like this. Yeah. The business is doing really, really well, man. Super grateful. It's uh, we, a lot of our products are us made, you know, all of our staff is, uh, you know, us like it's, uh, I'm starting to, and again, I, like I've shared, I've started to shift right politically. So I'm like starting to love the business. Yo, if Trump wins, I'm about to send a bunch of my friends some Trump coins. Okay. I mean, regardless, but no, if Trump loses, then it's not as fun. Yeah. But if, he, but if he wins, then I can, then I can ship him it, ship him some of these. These are, these are dope. Now, what are you going to do if Trump loses though? I'm sure he's got such a big support base. That won't matter for yeah. dude, if Trump loses. You know, what we're going to see like the second that it's called for Biden. And like the, if the court like is like, yep, Biden wins like the next day, it's going to be Trump 2024. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trust this. That actually, that's probably what we'll do. And yeah, I think, not all of our, our products are reliant on Trump. And we, we've planned for this mentally. We launched this business about a year ago. The whole time, we're like, we need to build this more targeted towards conservatives and patriots and capitalize on Trump the best we can, but not rely. So we have yeah. military offers that do well. Uh, we have our Second Amendment stuff that does well. So we cater and we we doing our best to be diversified with that being said trump stuff is super popular and we want to continue to to roll with that but we've been doing our best to diversify from trump stuff okay yo this usa jersey number one is actually dope usa number one amendment number two i like this yeah all right i, I i'm down um to maybe think about it we'll just give it a here. shot i mean i don't know if it'll even be a fit but we can do like a little trial run see what happens at the very least we'll send you some some fucking product bro there we go i can I, I would rep one of those jerseys so hard on this show yeah so there you go all right bro well dude i appreciate your time uh where can people find out more about you where can they follow your beautiful face i mean actually like so i just launched my podcast and, and similar i feel like to what you talked about like we have similar names you have the, the think different theory i have openly outspoken i mean we we both just like, I value free speech. Like, and I, I don't think, I think the bravest thing you can do, even if we don't agree, like what we were talking about with Bernie, even if I don't agree with you at all, it's just like be informed and have conversation and like be respectful and do your best. Even if you don't agree to understand the other side, have conversations that people are maybe afraid to have. So yeah, openlyoutspoken.com. Uh, yeah, I see that. That's dope. This is dope. Yeah. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave me a five star rating. That's always good, right? There we go. Yeah, Unicorn Innovations is our is our company, and then Proud Patriots is one of our brands. So uh, we're involved in a lot of cool stuff right now. So a lot of, a lot of good things. 
Guys, we're going to link Jeremy's podcast down below. We'll also link um, his uh, or proudpatriots.com down below as well. Make sure to check that out. Jeremy, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yep. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different. Those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the whole freaking world. See you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>